when it comes to flying, I have found that pre-boarding has helped me a lot um, because my disability is hidden. I do get a lot of like questioning stares as to why are you pre-boarding, but um, I've actually had situations where I would trip on people when I would try and board the flight with everyone and because um, my balance is so bad. That's Marika Devan. She describes herself as a clumsy Californian with an obsession for exploring the world, hence the name of her blog, Clumsy Girl Travels. But truth is, Marika has a degenerative neurological condition that mimics clumsiness. Welcome, I'm Tanya Fitzpatrick. And I'm Ian Fitzpatrick, and this is World Footprints. Marika Devan was born with a degenerative neurological condition called ataxia. Ataxia is a progressive disease that affects a person's ability to walk and use fine motor skills. Symptoms such as slurred speech, stumbling, falling, and incoordination are caused by damage to the cerebellum, the part of the brain that is responsible for coordinating movement. Complications from the disease are serious and oftentimes debilitating. And that is why Marika says it takes months for her to plan her travels. But ataxia hasn't stopped her. She has been traveling solo for many years and she's fulfilled some bucket list adventures, all while fighting the many challenges that her hidden disease has presented. Marika says that she doesn't want ataxia to cheat her out of enjoying a fulfilling life. And she tells us she wanted her clumsy adventure stories to be a source of inspiration to others. So I started Clumsy Girl Travels as a way to share my experiences um, traveling with a hidden disability in the hopes that it might be able to help other people who also have limitations or disabilities. I never, I didn't really see any other representation of people who have disabilities and are traveling. So I kind of wanted my blog to be that go-to resource for people. So maybe people who've been too scared to travel or they don't know how to travel and their limitations are holding them back. I wanted my blog to kind of be that inspiration to help them go and start traveling. Marika told us about the symptoms she experiences beyond the medical textbook descriptions and about her challenges while traveling. So ataxia is a rare degenerative neurological disability that affects my fine motor skills and my balance. And a few of my symptoms are um, I get very bad migraines and um, I describe to people, my migraines feel like I'm being hit on the head with a hammer multiple times. They, they are very painful. I get very bad vertigo, and um, I get very fatigued as well. There's a lot of planning I have to do when it comes to my disability. So I have to plan my trips very meticulously. I can't just get up and travel somewhere. I have to, um, I, first of all, I, I don't drive. And so when it comes to traveling to different places, I have to make sure there's an easy way for me to get around. 
the different countries, um, whether that's just public transportation or taxis. And then when it comes to flying, I have found that pre-boarding has helped me a lot um, because my disability is hidden. I do get a lot of like questioning stares as to why are you pre-boarding, but um, I've actually had situations where I would trip on people when I would try and board the flight with everyone and because um, my balance is so bad or I'd, uh, I once when I was 12, this is actually still traumatizing to me, I almost knocked a tray of drinks out of a flight attendant's hand trying to board the flight. And so um, that experience alone traumatized me um, still. And so I always try and pre-board when I can. There are some things that trigger Marika's ataxia symptoms, but oftentimes she's taken by surprise. It kind of just appears. I actually, um, one story I have, I was in Colombia a few years ago and heat is one of the triggers for my migraines and Columbia was really relaxed. So I did a coffee tour in the morning and then I was going to do a food tour in the afternoon. And right after the coffee tour, as I was getting ready to join the food tour, I just got this horrible searing pain in my head and I realized, oh, I'm having a migraine. And so I get to where the food tour is and I kind of tell the tour guide that, you know, I don't feel well. I need to go lay down. And he he was really nice. He let me reschedule my uh, tour for another day. But yeah, I rushed back to my accommodation and just slept for the next like one and a half days. My, my migraines last, they can last from like um, a few hours to two days. Mm. And during that time, I, I can't be woken up. It's, I, I was actually misdiagnosed with epilepsy when I was little um, because of my migraines being um, more related or the symptoms being more related to epilepsy. And so like the fact that when I would get a migraine, I would just lie down and my mom always knew like I couldn't be woken up when I would get one. And so um, everyone would always have to leave me alone. And once the migraine passed, then I would be back to normal. But yeah, I was staying in Columbia. I was staying in a hostel at the time and my roommates the next morning were like, we, we thought you were dead. Are you okay? Like I was, I was out cold. For Marika, it takes a lot of planning and preparation before she can embark on a trip because there are special arrangements she needs and specific prescriptions that must be filled. So I, I do take a lot of medication and um, one of the medications I have in particular, which is actually for my migraines, um, I have to get it made specifically. I, I can't just go into a pharmacy and get it. So I have to, when it comes to that, I have to make sure I have enough to last me for my entire trip. And, um, 
sometimes that requires actually my mom has to send me some to wherever I am. I traveled, I went on a trip for six months. And during that time, I was able to get some of my medications that I needed. But the one I, but for AP, which is the one I am on right now um, for my migraines, I, I'm not able to get that anywhere. So my mom has to send it to me, but I'm pretty good at being able to order enough to last me for my trips because usually I'm not traveling six months. Usually it's maybe like a few months at most. So I'm able to do that. Um, but yeah, when it comes to getting refills of my prescription abroad, it's actually been pretty easy and really affordable. I'm, I was actually pretty shocked by that. I wasn't expecting to be able to get my medication so easily, but as long as I had my medication bottle or a prescription to show them, they were, they were fine with it. This is the award-winning World Footprints podcast with Ian and Tanya Fitzpatrick. World Footprints connects you to the world through powerful storytelling that uncovers the full narrative of our cultural and human experiences. Discover the world when you visit our website, worldfootprints.com, and make sure you sign up for our newsletter to receive exclusive content. Oliver Sacks said, I wish for a world that views disability, mental or physical, not as a hindrance, but as unique attributes that can be seen as powerful assets if given the right opportunities. Here's more of our conversation with Marika Devan, founder of the Clumsy Girl Travels blog. What what sorts of uh, experiences uh, do you like to do when you travel? Are there certain things that you've, and based on your experience, have uh, worked best for you given your condition? Do you mean like activities, like hiking? Activities, or... yes, yeah. Certain what? things that okay. uh, you're okay doing and certain things perhaps you're not okay doing. Okay, yeah. So um, hiking actually is one activity I cannot do. And um, one of the difficult parts about visiting Colombia was the fact that there was so much beautiful nature and so many beautiful hikes that I just, I couldn't do. <laughs> and um, there's actually one place in particular, Minca, Colombia, and they are known to have this beautiful hike. It's like three days, I believe. And you hike to some lost village somewhere. Um, and it just sounded so cool. People were telling me about it and I'm like, oh, I would love to do that. But um, that's something I can't do. So I tend to try and stick more to cities. And um, usually I don't have any issues with finding things to do. I I love museums. I, I even love just going into cafes and people watching. Um, I, I do like to try and go off the beaten path as much as possible but that sometimes requires me to I have to sometimes hire a tour guide to take me so for example I went to 
uh, Poland a few years ago, and there was one village called Zalipi, which I saw online a long time ago. And I always thought if I was going to be in Poland, I'm going to go to this town. And so it turns out I was in Poland in like a few hours away from this town. But the only way to get there was either by car or by tour. And since I don't drive, I had to pay like 200 bucks to do a tour there. But it was completely worth it. So I do have to, in certain situations, pay a lot more to do certain activities. But that's just how that's just how it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've I've always kind of had to deal with that. And um, another example is when I was visiting um, Williamsburg, Virginia, which is one of my absolute favorite places in the U.S. I love it there. Just down um, the street from us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember I was in Washington, D.C., and me and my mom went there a few times. <laughs> um, yeah, so I wanted to go to uh, Monticello, which was like, I think, like a two-hour uh, car ride. But obviously, there's no public transportation in Virginia. It's like, it's non-existent. And so the only way I could have gotten there was by paying $200 one way for a cab. So I'm just like, I'm not going to do that. So so there are certain situations like that where it's mm-hmm. just like pretty much impossible for me mm-hmm. to uh, travel around. So I was kind of stuck in Williamsburg, but I was, I was okay with that. <laughs> you know, I, I, I love the fact, as fellow travelers, I love the fact that you are finding ways you know, to continue exploring mm-hmm. the world and you're doing this on your own, but I'm wondering what can the travel industry do to help people with um, your, like your condition and, and, and others, where are they failing you? So um, I think this one is probably going to be an obvious one, but better public transportation everywhere. Like I, can't I mean I said before I can't drive and it just is unfortunate that some places I won't be able to visit unless I pay a lot of money for a tour or I travel with someone who drives um, and then another thing I would say there um, a lot of people with ataxia have um trouble talking and slurred speech so when it comes to hotels it would be really nice to see more self-check-ins um i've noticed during covid there's been a lot more of that and i think even sometimes when i have a migraine um it would be nice to not have to like talk to someone when i'm checking in and be able to just kind of do it on go to my room Um, and then probably a final thing I would say is having more accessible rooms designed by people who actually have disabilities because I think a lot of times these architects will design these rooms and not have a clue what people in wheelchairs really need and I think we need more people in with disabilities to kind of show to kind of show that like 
mm-hmm. help design the rooms. We all have a travel story. The time when the travel bug first bit us. The most transformative and impactful trip we've ever had. These stories are very inspiring, so we asked Marika to share her travel backstory. I think the very first time I traveled abroad, I went to I went to Ireland. Um, my mom said that uh, I had to go somewhere easy for my first trip, and I had to do a tour. And so I think that trip really opened my eyes to the fact that okay, I. I was told growing up that I wouldn't be independent and I wouldn't be able to do really anything by myself, but yet I'm on this trip. I'm alone. Well, I'm with, I'm on a tour, but I'm pretty much like I traveled there alone and like I, I beat the odds and I don't know, that was just kind of very eye opening for me. And I just, since then I've just, that was probably my first um my first uh my first like eye-opening travel experience and i i was just yeah i fell in love with travel ever ever since then (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i actually there was um i went on another trip right after that and that was to Central America, and that trip my mom was a bit more worried about. She didn't really want me to go, and um, and the fact, I think it didn't help. I, I did go with two pen pals that I met on the internet. <laughs> oh, my. So, yeah. <laughs> um, it, was, it was completely fine. My mom was like, she was worried, but I, the um, guys were... Um, came to the U.S. first, and so uh, we were in the same city before we left Central America. So my mom's like, as long as they come over for dinner and I can meet them and I think they're okay, then you can go. (laughs) So um, I think that trip was also very eye-opening because I I ended up actually uh, traveling with them for two weeks and then leaving and doing my own trip. So I left, um, I left them in Nicaragua and traveled around Columbia, not Colombia to Guatemala by myself. And, um, my, after I traveled by myself for two weeks around Guatemala and, uh, at that time my mom was like super worried about me being alone and so she ended up sending my 80 year old grandpa to finish out the tour in Guatemala with me (laughs) oh bless (laughs) so that was probably one of my favorite trips um but also very 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 (laughs) eye-opening oh and did your grand your your grandpa enjoy himself yeah yeah (laughs) we had a lot of fun and it was kind of nice because um after staying in hostels uh, I was happy to stay in like nicer hotels <laughs> the last two weeks of my trip. As we ended our conversation with Marika, we asked her who she would like to sit next to, past or present, on her next long haul flight. Oh my gosh, that's such a good question. <laughs> um, I would probably 
sit next to, um, there's so many people I would sit next to, but one person would probably be Samantha Brown, because I'm obsessed with her. I would ask her like so many questions, travel questions. Um, I just love her show. Um, yeah, I think she would be one. And then someone, someone in the past I would probably sit next to would be um, Anne Frank, which is probably a really mm. weird answer. Um, I, yeah, one uh, experience I wanted to have since I was like 10 was to visit Anne Frank's house. I've always been really interested in her life and I ended up doing that. And it was just an incredibly, humbling experience and I would kind of yeah just ask her about her life living in the annex and um yeah get stories maybe that she didn't write in her diary Marika calls ataxia her disability as a hidden disability and the reason why is because it's not apparent you know, usually you can identify individuals with certain disabilities but hers mimics some very interesting characteristics like clumsiness and drunkenness and a lot of times she's been accused of uh, of the latter and I must say, given that and, and given the challenges that she has with planning her trips and really even, you know, immersing herself in uh, destinations, I'm really impressed with the fact that she has not allowed this disability to hold her back. And she's had some pretty tough situations, too, the things that she described as embarrassments. And so those haven't stopped her and she hasn't uh, allowed that to uh, keep her from the joy of traveling from exploring the world and again focusing on the positive she's got challenges and she readily admits that and she's got to do a lot of planning and as we've discovered a lot of people uh, in a lot of different situations have to do a lot of planning so you know, to her credit, she's she's doing everything to make travel a reality for her, and she's she's done yeoman's work. Yeah, and, and she's inspiring so many other people, and I appreciate the insights that she had for the travel industry. You know, again, this is a hidden disability, but she actually, in her thoughts about where the travel industry can help people, was very inclusive with the disability community and there is a lot that the, the travel industry should consider as to make travel inclusive for all because it is inclusive it's available to everyone and I love the fact that in our role as travel journalists we are illuminating that thought and the inclusivity of travel and uh, in addition to raising cultural awareness and really helping people obtain a new perspective of the world and, and ways to create a more equitable world. In closing, we'd like to leave you with these words from Anne Frank. We all live with the objective of being happy. Our lives are all different and yet the same. We're Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick and we're so honored that you spent this time with us. Thank you for allowing us to connect you to the world through the stories we share on World Footprints.
This World Footprints podcast with Ian and Tonya Fitzpatrick is a production of World Footprints LLC, Silver Spring, Maryland. The multi-award winning podcast is available on worldfootprints.com and on audio platforms worldwide, including iHeartRadio, Public Radio Exchange, iTunes and Stitcher. Connect with the world one story at a time with World Footprints. Visit worldfootprints.com to enjoy more podcasts and explore hundreds of articles from international travel writers. And be sure to subscribe to the newsletter. World Footprints is a trademark of World Footprints LLC, which retains all rights to the World Footprints portfolio, including worldfootprints.com and this podcast.